This episode is brought to you in part by Second Skull. Second Skull is a protective headgear company focused on helping to keep athletes safe and to help keep athletes on the field participating in the sports that they love. Their products are patented, tested, and proven to reduce direct and rotational impacts to the head. Their technology is trusted by several athletic organizations and the United States military. Their pro cap is designed with the grant from the National Football League. This protective skull cap is the ultimate in thin, lightweight, and breathable protection. The pro cap is comparable to other skull caps that do not offer such protection, measuring at just 2 millimeters thick and weighing less than 2.4 ounces. The pro cap improves protection for all players when worn under their helmet and is perfect for football, baseball, hockey, and lacrosse. Their pro band is designed in collaboration with professional players and clubs in Spain. This protective headband provides superior protection with an aesthetic and athletic look. The pro band has a unique five panel construction with a reinforced forehead panel to deliver a natural feel and ultimate ball control at just four millimeters thick and a weight of 1.4 ounces. The pro band provides protection for all players in non-helmeted sports and activities and is ideal for soccer athletes. Listeners of the armchair coaching podcast can go to secondskull.com and save 20% on any products purchased from that website with the discount code armchair. That's A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R in all caps. I want to thank Coach Anthony Stone for the opportunity to be a contributing author to his new magazine, the Coach Stone Football Coaching Magazine, From the Field to Football Podcasts, Coaching in the Digital Era. This is a great opportunity for me to get out there and grow the community of the podcast. Uh, so if you're looking for some free football content, go ahead and follow the link that I'm going to provide in the description of this episode below. Uh, and you're going to get some free stuff uh, from including from me, from Coach Steve, from the Coach Steve Show, Coach PJ Davis from the Shavehead Podcast, uh, Coach Matt Barkley, Bartley from the Game Records and Slobberknockers Podcast, Coach Nick Banstra from his Kick and Cover podcast, the Gap Down Backer podcast, and also Coach Dustin Mills from the Anchor Down podcast, as well as many others in the future. So if you are interested in free football content, and most of us coaches are, do us a huge favor and follow the link and like and subscribe to this magazine. It will help us out tremendously. Thank you. All Armchair Coaching Podcast episodes have been edited by Coach James Heath. Follow Coach James Heath on Twitter at jrockfordheath. And if you are interested in starting your own podcast, contact Coach Heath, and he will help you get set up with everything that you need for podcasting. Thank you, Coach Heath. I couldn't do it without you, brother. Welcome back to the Armchair Coaching Podcast. My name is Coach Sheffer, and I am your host. And today we have another special guest. We have Coach Hussam Ori, who is the offensive line coach and strength and conditioning coordinator at Shepherd University out of West Virginia. Coach, welcome on to the podcast. Hey, Coach. I appreciate you having me. Um, thanks for giving me the opportunity to come on here and just uh, talk some football and, and strength and conditioning. I really do uh, appreciate your time and, and, and obviously kind of giving us coaches the opportunity to talk football and and, and then share and just connect and and, and bond through a a special game. So I I do appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you too, coach. Let's jump into it. Uh, The first question is one that I've asked every person who comes on the podcast. I want to know about your story. It seems like every coach has a unique path of how they got into coaching. Um, So kind of tell the listeners, how did you get into coaching? What are some of the stops that you had along the way? 
And basically, how did you end up where you are today? Okay. Uh, no, I, and I agree. Um, I, I've never seen one single blueprint for how certain guys got to where they are or why they coach or how they coach or anything like that. But um, I've always loved the game of football. Um, I, I didn't realize that the passion for football from playing and preparing and, and kind of doing all those things would lead to coaching one day. But I, I've always loved the game and knew I wanted to be involved in, in sports and, and, and really athletics somehow. Um, but just kind of backtracking to, to college, I played at Shepherd University. So I'm, I'm coaching where I played and take great pride in that. And I think Shepherd's grown a, a tremendous amount well before I got there and it's still continuing to grow. So um, being there and, and, and having played there, I, I do take a lot of pride in, in that. But um, while I was playing and, and getting my undergraduate degree, um, my entire time there, I was, I was thinking to myself that I wanted to become a physical therapist. Um, so he, here we go on the <laughs> on the botched uh, blueprint to, to coaching. But um, I, I thought I wanted to become a physical therapist. Um, I, I was taking uh, classes. I, I was an exercise science major, so that's kind of the background there with with the strength and conditioning. But um, I actually did um, end up going to physical therapy school. I graduated in 2015. Um, and uh, I, I stayed on for a year as a graduate assistant at Shepherd, and, and for that entire year, um, I, I fell in love with it. I got the bug. I got the itch. I, I guess you can call it whatever you want, but um, just being exposed to to coaching and, and a different outlet of football, if that makes sense. You know, it's you're no longer playing. It's not just you. You you, you have a lot of input. You have a lot of say, and you're you're able to help and develop those guys who, who go out there. And, and at the end of the day, it's, it, it feels really, really good when they start to understand it and um, the, the things start to click. And, and obviously the cherry on top of that in, in 2015 was uh, my first year coaching, we went to the national championship game. So at, at that point on, I, I should have known I was hooked, but um, I finished up coaching that year and in, in the summer of 2016, um, I actually went to PT school and, and, and I was there for three months and, and roughly two semesters. Um, later on in that second semester, it, it, it was around the time of camp. It was late August and, and we were full swing and I, um, I caught myself watching more practice film uh, of, of the guys during camp and training camp than I did studying. So um, academically, I knew that I, I couldn't continue to do that. And, and it's not to say things were going poorly. I, I just for me, realized that the setting I was in was not going to be the outlet that I wanted as far as athletics or sports or or, or really just football, to, to be honest with you, because I thought in my head I'd get to work with football players and rehabbing them and, and everything like that. But um, the, the setting's different, the environment's different, and there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's a phenomenal profession, but I, I – I, deep down inside I think I was born to be a football coach. Just just the, the, the passion for it, the – camaraderie that you get the everything we were talking about prior to this when, when we had talked about the banter that you get with the coaches and, and and the players and everything like that the relationships are amazing so um after leaving PT school actually I came back to Shepherd and, and I was fortunate at the time um our head coach was still coach Cater and our our offensive coordinator was uh coach McCook who's who's now our head coach and, and he was my position coach when I played and I told him um I loved that single year of coaching, I wanted to pursue it. I wanted to, to get back into it. And, and at that point in time, he, he kind of just offered me the option of 
um, continuing my graduate assistantship and, and finishing that out and continuing to grow and, and learn as a coach. So um, I took that on and um, things were great and moved on and, and Coach Cater ended up retiring and, and, and Coach McCook got elevated to the head coach position. And um, I just think through our bond and our relationship, um, it, it was a fortunate timing as well, obviously. Um, but he, he then elevated me to full time. And, and at that point, um, I'd already been running the strength and conditioning program for about a year. Our strength coach had left a year prior to, to me getting elevated to full time um, as an offensive line coach. So um, I just kind of got doubled up on in, in, in 2018. And I've been there since. So um, at our level, it's, it's kind of unique. Guys aren't just football coaches. Some of them are coaches. They're teachers. They're, they're strength and conditioning coaches. And um, it, I think it's just something that's very unique to this level. And you really learn to, to appreciate the game from every level, not just the, the product that you see on Saturday. So um, that's how I got to where I am. And, and I'm very fortunate and, and, and um, thankful for all the opportunities I got, the, the, the knowledge that I picked up along the way. And um, at the end of the day, I'm just, just thankful for both Coach Gator and Coach McCook just giving me the opportunity being a, a young football coach and um, Shepard being such a great program. So, yeah, for, just forever thankful to them and, and, and appreciative of uh, the opportunities I've gotten. Yeah, I think a lot of other coaches, kind of like what you said, we all kind of have our own little botched path to coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like myself, when I was in college, I was uh, my undergrad – was environmental science. I thought I was going to go work for the EPA or, gotcha. you know, like the Chesapeake Bay foundation or something. Yeah. Um, because I, I, and I, I'm still really into science. I teach science. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I love it, but I also love football. And so my, by grad school, I still had no idea <laughs> what I was right. going to do. Yeah. Um, and so somebody mentioned, I think you'd be a really good teacher. And I was like, okay, I'll look into it. So I, I did end up working for the government. But in a different way, if you think, really think about it. Uh, so, but now, now I'm a, I'm a coach and I'm loving it. And um, it, I, I don't, I can't see myself really doing anything else. And right. it's a very similar story. And a lot of other coaches have very similar paths as well. Um, the next kind of topic I wanted to ask you about was um, jump right into offensive line stuff. And specifically, yeah. um, since you are at the college level, uh, offensive line recruiting. And I've right. asked this type of question um, to a couple offensive line coaches before. When you are recruiting offensive linemen, and I'm, I'm sure you've probably got a, a decent hand in the, that recruiting process, being the offensive line coach. Right. What are uh, – imagine like physically, like physical characteristics are the same. You've got two or three individuals, like, like physically they're all the same. What are some other characteristics – that you would be looking for that potentially, okay, let's say you've got one scholarship and I'm going to give it to that kid or I'm going to offer it to that one and maybe not these. So what's, what are some characteristics that you're looking for specifically? Right. Um, I know. And, and I'm glad you, you bypassed the, the, the physical um, characteristics because um, here at Shepherd, we, we've prided ourselves in, in recruiting the better player. Um, so if we kind of, bypass the physical traits and everything like that. We're, we're, we're looking at the film, you know, um, not looking for the, the guy that's going to go out there and have the best combine performance. We are looking for the best player. Um, now, I, I know that's not going to necessarily separate those things, 
Um, so really the first thing we look at and when we sit down and recruit and evaluate an offensive lineman is, is do they love football? Um, first characteristics, the first box that we've got to check is do they love the game of football? Because at the end of the day, um, those five guys up front aren't getting any stats. You know, they're, they're not coming off the field asking how many touchdowns they've got. It, really, they're asking how many touchdowns do we have? How many rushing yards do we have? And and, and have we given up any sacks? So, you know, they're not getting any stats. Um, so they've got to take a lot of pride in those little things, you know, being able to protect, being able to finish, taking care of the details that um, I, I think make O-line play very, very special. So first and foremost, they've got to love the game. Second, um, and just through interaction and building relationships, you got to find out if the guy really loves the game of football, but also the preparation and the growth that goes into the game of football, you know, because um, fortunate for us at, at the college level, we're able to recruit the, the all-county kid, the all-region kid, the all-met, the all-state. So everyone's talented and everybody can play the game of football. But when you get there, the, the, the thing that really separates the, the good ones from the great ones are the guys that are, are willing to prepare. You know, they, they understand the, the time that it takes to be a great student athlete because besides – football you've got your academics you've got your social life you've got your family life you have a lot of things that you've got to balance and if you're not looking to grow in all of those assets uh, in in those aspects of life I'm not sure um, football is even gonna you know be important to you it, it, all of those things kind of have to work together and, and, and be in sync um, but from there you know I, the, the guys that they they just they can't get enough of the 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 details of the game, the, the technique, the coach, how do I do this better? How do I improve this fundamental? How does, um, how does this drill help improve this fundamental detail or, or, or just skill? And how does that skill apply to the scheme? I just love the guys that are trying to understand the big picture. So um, they've got to be football guys. They've got to be selfless guys. You know, um, I, I tell our guys, we have to be five faceless guys playing together. You know, it, it just, as soon as someone mentions the O-line, it's probably something bad, you know. So we're better off being faceless than, than, than anyone really knowing who we are. Yeah, definitely. I get that. I've, um, I've dealt with some players in the past who looked like they could have been offensive linemen. Yeah. Like they had yeah. the look. Right. And oh, they yeah. just did not mm -hmm. have the mentality. Uh, no, and, and that's part of it, Coach. You, you, you hit the exact word. It's the mentality. I, I think the love and the preparation help develop that mentality and that mindset. And so you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, it, but physically, if we're, we're talking about those guys, it's, um, I, I like the heavy guys, you know, and I'm not talking about weight. I'm, I'm talking the, their, their presence, their demeanor, their hands. When you watch them block, like – they're not absorbing anything. They're, they're not getting pushback. They, they truly are just road grading and, and, and being able to set the line of scrimmage. So um, I, I've, I've recruited a guy simply off of a phenomenal highlight tape of him run blocking. You know, um, we throw the ball. And we're definitely going to spin around a good bit. But those guys, I think, they get carried away with the, the pretty side of O-line play, which is what I call pass protecting. Um, kind of lose sight in, in what helps you win games and, and, and what allows you to be a dominant offensive line unit. And that, that for us has always been to be able to run the ball. So um, it's that mindset, just going right back to it. 
I, this question just popped in my head, and I, I know it's not it wasn't on the uh, the list that I sent you, but it's all right. You, you kind of mentioned it, like the mentality piece is very important, and you just mentioned run blocking is very important, and pass blocking is it it, it is important, but it might might be secondary. Um, are there any when you're looking at film? Are there any linemen, any schemes that a lineman might come from that might be easier for you to recruit from? So what, what I'm asking is, okay, would you prefer an offensive lineman from, let's say, a wing tier or a triple option where they're run blocking at all times? Right. Or is it easier to coach a guy who came from more of a spread or an air raid type offense where they're more pass blocking type? Is there a, is there a preference there or is it – not really. Um, not too much of a preference. You know, it's, it's nice when you turn on a, a tape and you're able to see a lot of the similar things that you do um, schematically and, and just um, being able to assess, hey, they, they understand zone blocking or they understand gap schemes or, or everything like that. But I think schematically, um, that, that's got to be something that we've got to be able to teach. You know, that, that's my other um, favorite part of the game of football is being able to teach and, and, and kind of um, develop and, and mentor these guys through the game of football, but scheme and fit and everything like that. I, I, I try not to think too much about it as far as evaluating the talent um, coming from my, my high school days. I, I played in a flex bone triple option system and I never once shotgun snapped the football before in my life until I got to college. So um, certain things can be taught, certain skills can be had and certain habits can be taught. Um, so not, not too much. It helps. It, it really does. If, if, uh, maybe not up front, but you, you get your H back position, you know, you got a guy who's inserting on linebackers, he's kicking out the ends, he's cutting off the ends, or, um, he, he's working some sort of pass concept and, and, and able to play in space. So I think other positions, maybe, um, O-line wise, I, I probably don't put as much weight into it as, as some might, but it, if it's there, it helps. Uh, so let's get into like actual practice and drills. Do you have any uh, like the big word nowadays when we're talking like clinics and stuff is EDDs, everyday drills. You know, everyone wants to know what everybody's everyday drills. Um, and I have my own opinions on everyday drills, but yeah, do you, do you have any favorite drills that you like to run? And um, so what would those be? Um, I, I do, um, and, I, and I think EDDs are, are something that's great, but I, I you know, I'm, I'm not a, a big fan of the, hey, this is why we do this because we've always done it idea, or, um, hey, this is how we've always done it, so we're just going to continue to do it. So um, EDDs are good. There's a time and a place for, for those fundamental movements, um, but I think if you're, if you're going to get stuck uh, just drilling those same things, um, you, you might not be seeing the, the entire picture, you know, week in and week out at our level, there are multiple things that we've got to prepare for. So I think that if we're doing the same three or four things every single day, um, I, I'm not sure how well we're adapting to the opponent that week. Now, are there fundamental things we're going to drill every single week? Sure. Um, our stance, we're going to drill every single day. Um, our, our first and second step in, in our run game, we're going to drill every single day. Now, the variables are, what, what scheme are we running that week? Who are we facing? What type of front are we seeing? So I think the drill has to adapt to those things. Um, but a lot of them do have the, the same root 
teachings and, and, and progression. So if you ask me, do I have drills that I do every day? I do, um, but I try to modify them uh, for who we're playing, the, the scheme that we're running that week. And, and, and at the end of the day, if, if we're lacking in certain areas, I've, I've got to be able to do, um, identify those and, and drill those guys in certain things and, and pre-practice and post-practice for us are big. You know, it, it allows us to isolate certain guys in certain movements. Um, but stance every single day, first two steps in the run game every single day. Um, and, and I'd probably lose my job if I didn't mention pass blocking, but we, we do have a phenomenal quarterback. And um, it, it is our job to protect them and keep them upright. So um, as, as much as I, I might sound like I don't like it, I understand the importance of it. And I, I know um, the key to an offensive lineman is, is the ability to do multiple things and to give those guys every tool that they need to be successful, um, knowing that they're not going to always need every single one of those tools. So just every single day looking to add a tool to their toolbox or, or, or to polish up a tool. Uh you mentioned drilling stance and drilling the first two steps. Right. Uh, how, how do you go about setting that up every day? Is there a certain setup that you have that the, that the players know? Yeah. Um, so, so with us, uh, the first thing in, in stance and in talking about stance is, is being able to get into the stance. Um, but before I even step out onto the field, I've, I've got our guys going through, um, maybe you can call it an EDD, but it's more of a, a mobility circuit. Um, they're doing a lot of hip mobility work under the chute where they're duck walking and we're just overly exaggerating our depth and, and trying to get ankle flexion, knee flexion, and, and great um, squat depth, okay? And, and then we do some PVC, squat, uh, PVC pipe squats. Um, we'll do some change of direction walks with um, um, like different duck walk demeanors and speed and tempos and everything like that. But Every single day before before I even get out there, our guys are getting into that and they're kind of getting into a rhythm of, hey, this is what we're pre-practicing or, or, or doing today in pre-practice. Um, and, and then we kind of get going as soon as the, the, the bell goes off and, and, and we hit the ground running. I, I applaud our guys, man. They, they, they work very hard and they work at a phenomenal tempo. All right, listeners, we're going to take a short pause for a message. This episode is brought to you in part by High and Tight Footballs. High and Tight Footballs are the world's only self-contained, pressure-measuring, multi-sensory, instant, audible feedback training footballs on the market. They have been used by NFL Hall of Fame players, NFL coaches, collegiate All-Americans, and players at all levels. Listeners of the Armchair Coaching Podcast can actually receive a 10% discount on any products purchased from High and Tight by using the discount Link below in the description and by using the discount code ACP. Make sure you type in ACP at checkout to get a 10% discount on any items purchased from highandtight.com. This episode was brought to you in part by Knack Bags. Knack was created to make it easier for multitasking mobile professionals to get from point A to point B without lugging a bunch of bags. Their multi-purpose products combine the best features of a stylish daily-use computer backpacks with a patent-pending hidden compartment that you can easily access. Expand and pack like a suitcase whenever you need extra space for travel, the gym, or anywhere your life takes you. You can find Knack products exclusively at knackbags.com. Listeners of the Armchair Coaching Podcast can check the description of this episode below to find a special link to go to purchase Knack products. 
I'd like to thank our new sponsor, Launchpad Kickoff Tee, for joining us here on the Armchair Coaching Podcast family. Coaches, are you looking for that competitive edge, but you might not be paying attention to the kickoff game? Well, this is the company for you. I'd like you to go check them out. I have one sitting right here in my hand. It's incredibly unique. It's got a very large surface area and incredibly flexible wings. And so what this does for you here, it gives you extreme flexibility with how you want to kick off. Do you want to use the patented forward lean? Well, if you don't know what that is, go ahead and check out their website. You can do just about anything you want. You can dial up different types of squib kicks just with the different angles. You can literally do just about anything with this. And the nice thing is they send you this piece of paper here that goes with diagrams that show you all the different angles and techniques that they've discovered so far. And they are incredibly helpful on their website. I highly recommend you check them out. If you're interested, do me a favor. I want you to go to launchpadkickofft.com slash ACP. Make sure you add the slash ACP. And if you're interested in buying one, if you go to this specific website, you can find the link, the, the link in the description below, you actually get a discount. You're going to get a 10% discount just from using the, the Armchair Coaching Podcast link. If you want to buy one, if you want to buy two, that's a savings of 25%. And if you buy three, you're actually going to get one for free. All right. So those are some huge deals that you're going to get there. So do us a huge favor, check out our sponsor at Launchpad Kickoff Tea. Make sure that you go to the specific site, launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP, launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. On the kickoff, it's not like all the other kickoff teas that you have. It's incredibly unique. All right, we are back with Coach Ori, the offensive line coach and strength and conditioning coordinator from Shepherd University out of West Virginia. Um, so we just talked had, had a good discussion about offensive line play, and I kind of wanted to get into the strength and conditioning side. Um, I myself am currently studying for the CSCS test. Okay. Um, so I'm kind of I'm getting into the strength and conditioning world and. You know, I, I thought I knew strength and conditioning from being in the weight room since uh, middle school and being coached by high school coaches and, you know, working out on my own. I thought I knew strength and conditioning mm -hmm. until I started studying for this test. Right. Um, and I've been asking other strength and conditioning coaches the very same question that I'm going to ask you right now. What advice do you have for coaches like myself or any other coaches out there? They don't have to be young coach. Any coach getting into the strength and conditioning world, someone who wants to be a strength coach, a good strength coach, what advice do you have for those people who are getting into it for the first time? Uh, well, first and foremost, I, um, I can probably say the same exact thing. And um, I, I've been doing this since 2017. I, I thought I knew strength and conditioning. Um, but, but you really don't. And, and that's the crazy thing and an amazing thing that you really find out in the weight room is um, you're in and you're out. You're finding out something new about yourself, about your program, about your athletes, or, or, or really just um, different things that you've got to do to, to help your team get over the hump or, or, or to um, fix movement patterns or whatever the case may be. So I think every single year, really every single day or, or week, you learn something new about how to be a better coach or how to 
um, cue or, or teach or, or run a drill a little bit better, you know, because I do think that the strength and conditioning world, similar to science, is it's a lot of guessing tests, it's a lot of trial and error, and it's a lot of experiments to really um, hone in on, on what you think works, what, what you've liked in the past with a combination of new science and new movements and new teachings and um, just being able to marry all of that together. So advice-wise, I'd, I'd say to always just continue to study. Always continue to uh, develop what it is that, that you're wanting to do in the program, from your philosophy to how you're going to coach that philosophy to how you're going to adapt it to each and every single one of your athletes. Because um, one of the other pieces of advice I'd give is, is adaptability and um, individualizing your programs to your athletes. You know, um, Early on, it might seem like a lot of work, and it's, it's a daunting task to try to create a program for – um, at our level, 100 to 115 guys, but um, what you find out very, very quickly is not one person's the same. So being able to do that and adapt to, to each and every single one person's need is important. Um, from studying, I, I think traveling and, and talking to other strength coaches and, and um, just picking their brains about hey, what worked for you? What didn't work for you? What are, what are certain things that I can incorporate into my program? Um, but on top of that, it, it, it's not always having to take something away and, and implement. It, it's maybe just finding a way to, to, to do something you're already doing, but at a higher level or to coach it at a higher level. So I do think that's important because um, nowadays there, there are so many resources. Um, you, you've got social media, you've got books, you've got influencers, you, you can call it whatever you want in the, the fitness industry, the strength and conditioning industry, um, that you could easily go down the wrong path. So I think just staying true to, to, to what you believe and what you've studied and, and what has worked for you, um, but also not being afraid to try different methods that, that have been proven, you know, because I, I think the last place you want to be as a strength coach is stuck with one certain philosophy and, and never wanting or willing to adapt to certain trends or, 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 or just really better ways to do things, you know, so um, just doing that, but program. All right. But don't get carried away with the program. So uh, my, my third bit of advice is program and have an idea of what you want to do. But from there, you've got to watch your athletes. You've got to talk to your athletes. You've got to be able to communicate with them, ask them how they're feeling. Um, how, how do their bodies feel? How are they adapting to, to what you put on paper? You know, because at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's, it's about the athletes. Are, are, are they doing what we need them to do? And, and are they seeing the development that we need them to see? So talk to them, pay attention to what's going on in the weight room. And um, your biggest tool has got to be your eyes. If the players are sluggish, well, there's probably something you could tweak. If they're weak, well, obviously the programming is not good. Or if they're overworked, the, the, the programming has to be restructured. So Pay attention to your athletes would, would, would be um, my, my last bit of advice right there. I was talking to quite a few other coaches and probably the major point that keeps I keep taking away is relationships. Or, mm -hmm. And just like teaching and coaching, it's all about making relationships with the kids. And yeah. once you have a good relationship with the kid or the player, whatever age group they are, it's going to make your job 10 times easier. And, oh, and it's amazing to see what happens when they do trust you, you know, because we, as coaches, we talk a lot about, Hey, I can't put you on the field if I don't trust you. Uh, if you don't show up to this, I can't trust you. Well, 
you've got to be able to prove the same thing to them. And, and, and you know, we, we live in a generation where these kids, they want to know the why. They want to know what's going on. And, and you've got to be able to teach them that. And I think it's important. If they know the big picture, they're willing to buy in. They, they at least see um, what it is you're, you're trying to sell as far as the picture or the program or the philosophy. But you've got to be willing to do whatever it takes to earn their trust. Because once they trust you and they see that it helps them, it makes them a better player, it, it makes them more injury resistant, or um, at the end of the day, may, maybe it just makes them feel better about how they look. You know, a, a lot of those aspects do come into play when, when it comes to strength and conditioning. It, it's not just, hey, this is what I wrote down and this is what has to happen. Like you, you, you got to be able to adapt to your athletes. Uh, one of the last things that I wanted to talk to you about was um, basically how to go about building a strength and conditioning program. Um, and there's kind of two ways that I wanted to go by this. Okay. One is, and, and I'd like to, since most of our listeners are football coaches, um, if we could tailor it to football, probably be the best. Uh, so what the first way is, under the normal circumstances, you know, you have a season in the fall, you have a, an off season, you know, from let's say from December until the next August, right. and you have that much time that you can implement a strength and conditioning program. What are the major things that you are looking to do? Like, are you breaking it up into different sections and you're looking at different things that you're doing at that time? What are some major things you're doing under a normal circumstance? Um, and secondly, here in Virginia, I'm just using us as an example. Um, we just, well, there are some teams still playing, but for the most of us, most of us just got done like last week or the week before. Okay. And we're going to start up again in about four months. <laughs> so we, uh, right. it's for us, it's a very new situation where, okay, we have a very short amount of time period and, for, you know, for our team in particular, we had an interesting situation over the off season where we, there was an extended time period where we were not allowed to work out. We were not allowed to be in the weight room. And so we might be coming in completely fresh and completely, you know, babies, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah, understood. Um, how would you go about, if you were the strength and conditioning coordinator at like a high school or a college, how would you go about trying to prepare in that such short amount of time. So the first one, first one, how would you do it under normal circumstances? And then what would you do under like the current, like short-term circumstances? Um, okay. Uh, so just starting with the normal circumstance um, from, from a football side of things, um, I'll just start with the calendar year. Let, let's say it's January and, and we've got our guys back on campus and um, um, the spring semester just started. We're starting up winter conditioning, kind of, Really, the start of a season, I, I do believe, begins in January. So um, the first and foremost thing we want to do is get our guys back um, just moving around, you know, because after a long season, I know there are certain injuries, there are certain aches that maybe we haven't been able to fully heal over the winter break or, or had enough time in the training room. So just getting them that uh, back into the building, um, doing a lot of general strength movements, so body weight movements, getting guys used to moving their body weight again. Um, and, and, and for me, that's extremely important for your bigs um, and, and understanding how, how to control and move um, larger uh, body mass, but also your younger guys, you know, who uh, maybe don't have as much training time or training volume, who are still learning how to move, um, learning how to hinge, learning how to squat, 
uh, or, or you're still working on, let's say, ankle mobility or something like that. So um, first, we want to make sure they can adequately move their bodies. Um, and, and from there, we start getting their conditioning back up and just doing um, – for me, I, I call it football-specific conditioning. Um, I, I've never been the strength coach to go out there and just run 300-yard shuttles or 16-110s um, to the point where our guys were just puking. I, I think there's a time and place for physical and mental toughness. Um, but when, when, when we talk strength and conditioning, we, we've got to be um, willing and, and understanding of the energy systems that we need to attack and that we need to improve. So. Um, that's what we'll do from a conditioning standpoint. Um, and that's usually the first uh, two, three weeks, all right, of our guys being back on campus. And, and then we actually get them into the weight room. So we'll get into what, what I call um, – it's a hypertrophic phase. You know, uh, it's, it's really just a two-week window where um, we are doing increased volume. We're getting our guys back on campus and, and, and trying to – add a little bit of mass, add a little bit of weight, and, and just setting a larger foundation for um, what's to come. And, and, and what's to come is a strength phase and a power phase. Um, obviously, the, the strength phase is, is where we are trying to move as much weight as we can um, during that time window. So not necessarily looking for the speed or the velocity of the weight yet, um, but just trying to add on solid, absolute strength. Because then we'll get into our power phase, and now we start talking um, bar speeds and velocities and being able to understand power generation and how to um, properly calculate power, you know, work done over time and, and being able to move maybe um, a lighter percentage at a faster rate and, and being able to understand um, control and, and speed and everything like that. So that phase will stay in. Um, for, for a majority of, of, of spring ball, because I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of keeping the intensity pretty high and, and, and the power production in the weight room pretty high, um, but also the volume pretty low when we're in pads. You know, I, I think that's a time of the year where you need to cut out all the unnecessary reps, get the proper volume in the weight room, um, or I, I'm sorry, on the field um, is, is really where you should be working on a lot of your volume or, or your repetitions and everything it is that you'd be doing um, in the weight room. You're just, you, you got to maintain that strength and that power output during that time of the year. Um, and then we, we get our guys um, home for the summer and they've got a training manual, which kind of go, goes in, in that same cycle, you know, initially early on in the summer, we're recovering from spring ball. So we're trying to get them healthy again and, um, physically moving their bodies, um, and then a strength phase, a power phase, and, and then later on in the summer it kind of flips uh, to where we're in a more specific phase as we head into camp and, and the, the conditioning picks up and the volume is, is very, very low, um, but the intensity is still pretty high. You know, just, just finding a way to properly um, peak our guys at the right time. Um, and, and I think that can be done with multiple of – uh, training methods, you know, there, there's a lot of guys who love periodization. There's a lot of guys that love the the old west side conjugate method. And, and, and I've used both. And I think there's benefit to both. And um, if you have the resources and the tools to be able to implement either one of those programs, they, they all have their, their positives and their negatives. Um, it's just whatever works for you and your program, in, in my belief. Um, now, in a um, not so opportunistic time or, or maybe a, a crunch cycle, um, especially at the high school level, I, I would definitely lean towards 
um, injury prevention through those general strength movements. You know, I think at that level, you're still teaching the athlete how to move their body, healthy movement patterns, and, and setting a foundation for uh, the season and, and what's to come. You know, I, I think a lot of strength coaches rush into putting barbells in kids' hands or, or, or putting a bar on their back. Well, if you've got an athlete that can't squat their body weight properly, I, I, I'm not sure loading a barbell on their back is the best idea. Uh, I, I understand that over time, the, the, the progression is going to get them stronger, but well, at what point are you limited? You know, on the back end, if, if you're building off of a, a bad foundation, you're going to be limited down the road. Whereas if you start a kid out and you're, you're teaching proper movement patterns, proper mobility, flexibility, um, and, and, and showing them the big picture, hey, this is how your ankle mobility affects your knee health. And that's how your hip mobility affects your lower back health. And in those things, um, the kids will, will start to gravitate towards movements that they can do, that they trust, that, that They've, they've learned that they can execute at a higher level. So um, teach them how to move and then, then keep the movement simple from there. Um, and, and then the closer you get to, um, I guess, the actual competition. So if we're looking four months down the road, um, I'd, I'd do the same thing along the lines of increasing the conditioning and, and getting into more um, power output movements, strength output, strength output movements, um, and, and just preparing those kids for, for um, what, what is a long season, you know, with, with, with such a short turnaround. Um, I, I know kids at that age are resilient. Um, I, I think from the ages of 15 to 22, those kids are resilient. And I know at 18 they become adults, but um, their ability is to, to lift and train. Bless you. <laughs> Um, their ability to train and, and to just recoup and recover is, is, is remarkable. Um, but but I, I don't think you can lose sight of the importance of, of having that recovery, having the ability to um, just kind of take a step back and, and evaluate what needs to be fixed or what needs to get improved. Um, so just uh, I know four months is a short turnaround, but I, I think it can be done with the, the proper foundation and um, – at the end of the day, these kids will will take to anything that you guys give them. I think they're just looking for direction and camaraderie within one another because it has been such a long time. Yeah, so listeners, I'm hoping you guys are are paying attention because that was a lot of good information there. Um, and hopefully you guys are able to um, take something from that, those of you who are looking to start uh, their strength and conditioning program coming up in this potentially if you're dealing with a shortened season in this really, really shortened off season. Um, Coach Ori, I really appreciate you taking the time to come onto the podcast. Now, if someone wanted to get into contact with you and ask you some questions, uh, what would be the best way that they could do that? Um, e- either way, uh, social media is, is pretty easy. And I know that's um, what a lot of people kind of lean towards. Um, my, my Twitter is at Coach Hussam Ori. Um, that's Coach H U S S A M O U R I. Um, I'm I'm pretty good, or at least I try to be with with responding to messages and, and kind of answering as much as I can. Um, from there, if that does not work, um, my email address is H O U R I at Shepherd, and that's S H E P H E R D dot E D U and um, you guys feel free to send over any questions or, or, or really any comments or whatever the case may be. 
Um, I, I love talking football and I, I, I love talking strength and conditioning. And I think anytime you can marry the two, it's, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, this has been the Armchair Coaching Podcast, and this is Coach Sheffer signing off.